Welcome to the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackison, the executive director of NSTA. And today we're uh, joined by Regina Phelps, uh, founder of Emergency Management and Safety Solutions. Uh, so welcome again, Regina, to the bus stop. Great. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. Well, uh, you know, we talked roughly three weeks ago and things are just so incredibly different um, Mm-hmm. Uh, from then until now, but on you know on the ground because you're dealing with the multitude of you know companies all across the country and internationally, you know what do you, what can you tell our listeners about you know COVID nineteen with respect to what we see in the United States at this point? Sure, sure. I guess the 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 sad story that I have to share is as you've already heard from many scientists and medical experts about the United States is that we are in for a really tough patch of time here. Um, So as you probably well know that the United States first case was actually about in the middle of February and um, it was slow to get a foothold starting originally in Washington and then moving throughout the United States, but now is firmly entrenched throughout the country. Uh, The East Coast, of course, is under the greatest siege right now, especially in the northeast seaboard. Uh, But that same story is going to pretty much go across the United States. And that's really being fueled by uh, a couple of things is that many of the state governments in particular, and still to this day, there are some states that do not have a shelter in place order that this movement of individuals throughout the um, towns and cities of different states are allowing the disease to actually transmit freely. The COVID-19 virus is a is a very infectious disease. Uh, it is thankfully not that lethal, even though you're certainly seeing some staggering death tolls. But compared to other diseases like Ebola, it's not. But still, it's pretty frightening. And so what you will see, especially in areas that have not limited movement of citizens, is that the disease is going to really take a foothold and overwhelm the healthcare system. So that's going to, as we are now seeing in New York, they're going to have a peak of their outbreak probably in the next 10 days to two weeks. Uh, In the West Coast, where I'm in, in San Francisco, that's going to take a bit longer. We expect the peak in in the California to probably be towards the end of the month. And every state is a little bit different on when the peaks are predicted based on when the virus really took hold and began to spread. So I think the most important thing for your listeners to really understand is that this is serious. And they need to do whatever they can to limit their movement uh, to stay at home, uh, because currently with no medications and no vaccines, there's really nothing else we can do except physically distance. And, and note that what I said, I said physically distance. The term historically has always been social distancing. It implies that we're like having a party or something, right? Because it's social. And this is not social at all. It really is physical. So being away from people, minimally at least six feet. Now, it was um, interesting because I did some research um, on the Spanish flu, which was mm-hmm. actually a misnomer. But right. I think just to draw some some parallels to, to what we're going through currently, mm-hmm. and I think that pandemic was made worse by the fact that um, a lot of information was kept under wraps because uh, there was a war going on and people mm-hmm. didn't want to know troop movements. And mm-hmm. it kind of exacerbated the, the condition there. And mm-hmm. so when you talk about the state at home orders and, and there are 33 states that have done this so far, mm-hmm. it really highlights 
um, I think if you look at the history of that, really highlights why this is so incredibly important at this time. Right, right. And 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 uh, the 1918 flu, which, by the way, actually started in Kansas. It was in the, the American flu, if we were going to give it a name, but, but um, <laughs> um, we won't go there. But um, the, the, the issue about how it spread so quickly back in the pre-jet traffic, it was certainly because of the war. And I and I and unfortunately, we didn't kind of learn that lesson. We were slow in the United States on many ways to to get behind this, even though pandemics are something that have been well studied and well known as a huge threat globally for some time. And um, uh, it's unfortunate that I think with most organizations, with most companies, with most governments, you know, they look at something like a pandemic and say to themselves, oh, my gosh, if this happened, it would be really catastrophic as we're currently witnessing. But then what happens is that um, there's always a sort of disbelief. Well, it's not really going to happen, is it? And so when you look at how governments have other, either underfunded public health over time or uh, pull back activities related to public health, it's because they're kind of always hedging their bet, thinking like, well, you know, it's not really going to happen. But then, oh, my gosh, as we're all currently seeing right now, and it does, it is catastrophic. Yeah, and since we teased the listeners, uh, so with respect to the calling it the Spanish flu, it mm-hmm. was that uh, Spain was actually neutral in World War One, and right. they were under um, <laughs> no... no orders to, to keep information under wraps, uh, unlike the other countries who were involved. And so they were actually reporting the Spanish flu accurately, or, or the, the flu, the Kansas flu, accurately, while the other uh, countries may have been under orders because of the troop movements, not right. reported so they, as accurately. And so, the, and, and so the world decided to name it after them, <laughs> right. which, is, which is so unfair, right? <laughs> exactly. But it's, yeah. it's held to this day. Yes. Um, now, you know, in, in terms of the, the school bus industry, you know, mm-hmm. we had spoken earlier and talked about that most buses, you know, had, you know, stopped at this point, mm-hmm. um, you know, aren't operating. So um, and that's to quell the spread of, of the virus. But, you know, moving forward, you know, because I, I think we're in an interesting area that we get daily briefings, but this isn't an, an, an issue that really speaks to being Brief daily because, um, you know, just because it's it's so fluid. Mm -hmm. Um, But as we look forward, if we can look forward to, hey, getting these buses back rolling, going back to school, Mm -hmm. what do you see as the long term prognosis of this uh, COVID-19 through the summer? And then, Mm -hmm. hey, we're going to get to a school point in, you know, August, September, where we're going to get those buses rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great question. So, um, of course, there's never been a coronavirus pandemic. There have always been influenza to this point. So there's a lot of speculation as to what will happen. We don't have a good track record because it's never occurred before. But everybody is, of course, comparing it to influenza, which is another respiratory virus. Um, so what the expectation and the belief is of this is that we're going to have in the United States a pretty tough road to hoe till probably about the middle of May or the end of June. And then what's going to happen is that depending on where you are in the country, we will start to wake up, if you will. And when that begins to occur, uh, that reopening of the world, so to speak, is going to be really important. Because if all of a sudden we all just go outside immediately after the, 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 the first wave has stopped uh, and the transmission is minimal, then what's going to happen is, is that 
there's a really great opportunity that will peak it right back up. And that happened in 1918. So first of all, just because we actually see the transmission pretty much slowing, it's still out there. The virus is still out there. It's still being passed around in small clusters and groups. If we all get back out at the same time, the same thing will reoccur. So the first challenge is going to be in communities across the United States, how to actually start it back up. There's a lot of discussion right now at the governmental level, uh, both at the federal level and at the state level, with groups actually beginning to look at that. So that will hopefully happen relatively slowly. And then uh, as the course of the summer continues, we may get back to whatever feels like normal, which I don't know, I know what that's going to mean anymore, but we'll be back to something that looks more like what it perhaps used to be. There's a great yeah, belief. I mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and you're you're so right about what will be the the new normal and how we adapt to that. Right, right, and I think and there, at this point, there's uh, anything you could throw against the wall could be a possibility of, of what could it, look, it could look like. I think then what's very likely expected to happen is that starting in the fall, and that would probably be depending on where you are in the country, uh, maybe the end of September, maybe into the middle of October, uh, we'll start to see a second wave. Uh, and part of that is because, um, like in influenza, respiratory viruses generally do better, <clears throat> meaning they're more transmissible in cooler environments. Although right now, I'll tell you, in South America, it's spreading really quickly in Africa, even though it's hot down there. But but that's the expectation. It will come back in the fall. And then it's going to be a big what? We'll have to wait, right? We'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Now, you know, when you, you talk about that, um, I know that perhaps uh, vaccination is a ways off, but there are methods that are being, I guess, tested or utilized um, to, to basically treat the symptoms of the coronavirus. Yeah, those are, um, called, those are called therapeutics. So therapeutics, are, there's a variety of things that are in testing. So, for example, uh, Gilead has an antiviral that's uh, still in testing that's been being looked at. There's uh, infusing plasma of those who have recovered from the coronavirus into victims who are seriously ill as a method of kicking their antibody response up. So there's a variety of therapeutics that are being tested. There, nothing is officially approved for COVID-19, but you'll see a lot of that in the fall uh, where more of those will become available. Vaccines will not be widely available for about 18 months, pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, with respect to the, the, you know, the therapeutics, I know that there has been utilization of, of drugs um, that are, you know, manufactured specifically for other, um, you know, medical issues, you know, being used to treat this. Yeah, like um, the chloroquine the, for malaria is another example of that one, right? Right, right, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but that, for example, um, is a good one that hasn't been tested at all. So uh, it's there's some some evidence that it's worked in really small clusters of uh, patients in a couple of different countries, but there's no um, no study to actually prove that it works. And chloroquine is, in itself is actually very damaging to your kidneys and your liver and a bunch of other stuff. So it's not a, a drug that you can just kind of give with some, um, you know, without a really a lot of care. Yeah. Um, now, I know that you, you uh, interface with businesses, you know, across the country and across the world. Mm -hmm. um, in this period, uh, the, the strange period, because I don't even know how to categorize it. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, in this period of time, is there any advice that, that, you know, comes to your mind that you can give mm -hmm. businesses that are just operating mm -hmm. in the dark mm -hmm. like we all are? 
Yep, yep. So I can give you a, a really quick uh, view of what we're calling the COVID-19 pandemic planning phases. And so <clears throat> there's basically seven parts to that, this journey that we're all on. And right now what's happening in most of our clients is what we call the reevaluation stage. And I'm, I'm happy to send this to you. You guys can post it online. Um, so in the reevaluation stage, what's happening in companies that we work with is really there's this really deep and continual reassessment of what's absolutely critical. Now, in your particular case, you are like restaurants or you're like other industries that have are just basically waiting for the sun to come back up. Right. So you're I would expect in your organization and anybody that's that's in the yellow bus business is constantly being thinking about what can they do? How can they uh, somehow how can they somehow uh, continue to exist as a business? And how can they do that by maybe either either looking at their business differently? So that's there's sort of a strategic look at this reevaluation, but there's also kind of this tactical look where you're constantly figuring out how can I reinvent myself? How can I do something differently? How can we provide services in different ways? So I think there's a continual reassessment and a, and a planning for reentry. So your yellow bus um, constituents should be thinking about how am I going to reenter? What am I going to do? How can I re, how can I broaden my business? How can I change it in some ways that I might be able to have revenue besides for taking kids to school? Is there other ways that I can somehow find a a, a method for uh, maintaining my business. So that's what we're seeing all of our clients around the world doing. Many of them are not as dramatically hit as yours because of course, with no schools in session, the yellow bus business really goes down to very little activity. But I will tell you that every company worldwide is doing this deep reevaluation and this continuous assessment about what's mission critical and for the business. But secondarily, they're really looking at the strategy of how do they re-enter? How do we start back up? Are there things that we should stop doing? Are there things that we should start doing? And this is what I would expect every one of your constituents should be thinking about right now so that when they get the go, they shouldn't be thinking about, well, gosh, how are we going to do this? They should know everything about how they're going to restart the business. And if they're going to do less of some things and possibly more of others, they need to know that before that ever happens. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Um, Regina Phelps, uh, founder, Emergency Management and Safety Solutions. Once again, uh, so much great information for us. Um, look forward to engaging with you again along the line. You've given out a great information and advice and appreciate you hopping on the bus stop with us today. You're welcome. It's been great to be with you, Kurt.